0: It's, uh, it's really great uh, every time we have uh, a, a special Sunday and special celebrations like Easter and Christmas, because it feels like it's a family reunion, and it's so good to see different faces and people that we haven't seen uh, in, in a while, and people that are returning home to spend time with the family, people that are celebrating together, and that's always really, really, really special. And uh, I just want to encourage you at the end, please don't rush away. And uh, make sure that you uh, just come over for refreshments and it gives gives us a chance to to catch up with that. Easter is an interesting time. And uh, to kind of keep with the theme, the older I'm getting, the more I realize that days like this are far more complex for all of us. Somebody on Twitter was writing last night and saying how difficult it is for them because it's a a time of an anniversary of a loss of a family member that was very dear to them. And I think sometimes we can find ourselves in church and we, as the followers of Jesus, as Christians, we rejoice. It's probably the most joyous day of the church calendar, if you want, because Jesus has risen from the dead and so it should be. But the other reality in the room is that uh, on a human level, not on a spiritual or theological level, but on a human level, there's probably a lot of pain, a lot of questions, a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges. And all I want to say is you're in the right place with both those emotions and a mixture of those emotions. Because actually when Jesus was risen from the dead, and this is what we're going to look at, and Mary encountered him, there was a flavor of that sense of the mixture of joy and sadness in what Mary experienced in there. Some of you uh, would have remembered there was a day when TV adverts were all the rage. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I was just saying to somebody, it was interesting when we were showing the World Cup games uh, at uh, a center next door uh, a few months ago. It was the first time I've seen live TV. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I've not gone Amish, so I'm still watching streaming kind of <laughs> stuff like that. So don't don't go, don't go around thinking I, you know. Uh, but I've I've not seen live TV and I've not seen adverts, and it was quite an interesting thing seeing adverts again. And I used to really love adverts, particularly good adverts. And I remember they used to have um, this countdown: a hundred the, the hundred best adverts of all time. And obviously, there's loads of favorites amongst them. And I think in modern time, probably we would say that the John Lewis adverts have been up there with some of the most impressive ones. And they've definitely done a a good one last year as well. But the most memorable, probably, that that, that I I think is very, very clever, in early or mid-'80s, I I didn't bother kind of Googling to get the exact times, The Guardian did an advert. And the, the picture was shown of, uh, uh, this were the Times, uh, uh, a punk that was running towards an elderly gentleman. And it looked like he was going to barge and attack the elderly gentleman. And then what they did, they did a reverse camera angle. Any of you have seen it? Just nod. Yeah, They did the reverse camera angle. And what you saw when the reverse camera angle was shown is that actually what seems to be the villain who was attacking the very well-dressed elderly gentleman, was actually pushing him away from some rubble that was coming from the building. The scaffolding looked like he was coming down. And the caption was something along the lines of, it's all about perspective and how you see things. And it is so important for us to get the right perspective on the resurrection of Jesus and what happened on what we're celebrating on Easter Day. And here is a a glimpse of that. If we read what the Apostle John is writing, John 20, uh, beginning with verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, that would have been John, the one that Jesus had said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, this is verse 11 and 12, we jumped a little bit. As she was crying, she saw angels in white sitting there where Jesus' body had been lying, one on the head and the other on the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them. And I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was a gardener, she replied, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her. Mary, turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, "Rabuni," which means teacher. Don't cling, cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to the Father and to your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. There's a beautiful picture of the first significant encounter of Easter with the risen Jesus, and it happened to be Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene's story, a little bit of perspective. She, we know a few things about her. She was called Magdalene because she was from Magdala. So uh, in those days, wherever you were from probably was attached to your name, and people knew you by that. So she was known to be from Magdala. And one of the significant things about Mary's life, and Mark in his gospel in in, in chapter 16 describes this, she was possessed by demons. And when she met Jesus for the very first time, Jesus had cast those demons out of her. It's difficult to know exactly what it would have looked for Mary's life, but we know that Jesus had other encounters with people they were demon-possessed, and it was messy. It was ugly. They, they were very disturbed. They uh, often harmed themselves uh, and harmed other people. They were definitely uh, an, an embarrassment for the local community and for their family. So one thing is sure, Mary's life would not have been easy, being possessed by the demons. And everything would have been affected, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, socially. Every aspect of her life she would have been in a mess. And when she meets Jesus, he sets her free. And as a result of that, Mary, along with some other women, are going with the disciples, trying to help them as Jesus was ministering from place to place. It's almost as if she was so filled with thankfulness that she felt she had to leave her life behind and pursue what Jesus was doing, because he changed her life, and she probably wanted to see other people changed by Jesus. Significantly, we find Mary at the cross. While all the brave men run away, we find a group of women and the Apostle John at the cross, and Mary is amongst them. So she's somebody who is unflinchingly following Jesus, because he changed her life. And this is where we meet now Mary, who is coming after Jesus had been crucified and buried in the tomb. She's coming to do a ritual practice of embalming the body, of making sure that the body is is, is sort of being uh, kept in good shape by all the ointments that were supposed to be uh, rubbed in the body and trying to make that a, a, a ceremony that was serving once again as a way of thanking Jesus for what he'd done even after he was gone. That's some serious commitment. That's some real expression of gratitude coming from Mary's life. And when she comes to the place, she gets another shock. It says that she came to the tomb and she just found that the stone had been removed from the tomb. She came while it was still dark. It's probably a smart thing to do just after Jesus had been crucified and seen as an enemy of the people. And the beautiful thing, and we were asking the question, what do we see of Jesus here in his encounter with with Mary? It's this incredible sense in which Jesus is really ready to say to Mary, I see you. I see you. It's staggering that Jesus meets Mary first. She was an unlikely candidate. She was not one of the 12 apostles. She wasn't a teacher. She she wasn't anything special. My slide is just, I just realized that it's gone. It, she wasn't anything special. She wasn't somebody that we would have chosen. If, if we, me and you, would have write, would write a story, we would have never chosen Mary and said, Hey, who should Jesus meet first? If I would have been writing the story, I probably would have said, let's just send Jesus to Pilate to prove him how wrong he was. Or maybe we could just send him to those soldiers. Probably the Roman soldiers were having a drink somewhere in a pub or the equivalent of a pub, you know, thinking about the execution that they'd done a few days earlier. Imagine Jesus walking in there like shock, horror, shock, horror. I would have done it, thinking, let me show you what you've done. Jesus could have gone to the high priest, to Annas and Caiaphas, and again to say to them, there it is. I am the Messiah. I am the chosen one, and I'm proving it to you. Maybe go to one of the disciples. I mean, Peter, he could have probably written him off because he was, after all, the one that betrayed Jesus. He could have gone to John. John was a good one. He really was. He stayed with Jesus right till the very end. In fact, John could have been now the new boss of the disciples. And Jesus could have shown himself to John and said, from now on, you can tell everybody you're the first to ever see me. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus meets with Mary Magdalene. And Mary was in a state. You can tell from everything that is happening here. She went out at night. She was realizing that the stone had been removed. She went to Simon Peter and to John and told them. They've taken the Lord away. She was so filled with grief, disappointment, everything that you could ever imagine. Because... This man changed her life, and she'd seen him be crucified to a cross among thieves. And it's all gone. Just seven days before, they entered Jerusalem, and people were shouting, Hosanna, son of David. Where did it all go wrong? She was a woman whose life was broken. I even wonder whether at the back of her mind, this thought might have been there. Well, if Jesus is dead, what if my demons are coming back? So she goes to the tomb. And as if things weren't bad enough, she finds the tomb empty. I mean, this is the equivalent of the desecration of a body of a loved one. I find it so disturbing when you hear stories of, you know, Jewish graves being defaced. It's just so horrible. People doing stuff like that. And Mary's absolutely heartbroken. And she's saying, now on top of everything else, I've lost Jesus. He's gone. And now I can't even have his body. It's the trauma that parents often face. When they lose a child, or family members, when they lose a child, we we hear of some of the tragedies that are happening very often when there's a bomb blast, when there's a suicide bombing, and and the body is not found. There is something so comforting about actually even, even getting hold of a loved one's body and doing what is right to be done. There's something powerful about that. She can't do that anymore. Because Jesus' body had been taken away. So she's suffering. She's filled with grief and pain. And then she goes back. After the two disciples come, they look, they see that the body isn't there. She's going back. And he says in verse 11, Mary stood outside of the tomb crying. That's your picture. That's your picture that captures all the emotion that was in this woman's heart. She just wasn't going to go away from there. Because maybe she didn't have anywhere else she could go. She was so confused, so disappointment, so disappointed, so hurt. that There was nowhere to... You know when sometimes we get just paralyzed with fear and confusion? I don't know where to go and what to do. I'm just standing here. And she stood outside a tomb and she was crying. The pain inside her soul, was coming out. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? She obviously doesn't... Well, would we even recognize angels? I probably could debate with you and say, probably not. We might confuse them as very kind human beings. But that's another story for another day. And as she speaks to them, they speak to her. And they ask her a question, why she's crying. And she says, because I've taken away my Lord. My Lord. And have taken him away. The pain is so deep. And then, having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. Do you know what? In the whole mood of sadness and brokenness, and hardship and pain, there is something mischievously beautiful about Jesus. Sometimes you hear stories about family members who live hundreds and thousands of miles away, just as a surprise showing up in a place without people expecting them to be there. I've, I've heard a story recently of, of, of somebody who did that and they managed to con their their, their mum that they were going to go out for something and then when they turned up to that place, somebody all the way from Australia was there, the son was there. It's a bit of a dangerous thing, you know, heart attacks on the card and all that. But I I, I imagine Jesus being mischievously like that, just sneaking in behind Mary and then showing himself to her, probably knowing she wouldn't recognize him. Why didn't Mary recognize him? Well, there could be loads of reasons. She could have been so cried out, so filled with anguish, she just didn't know what on earth was going on. And probably most likely, it was too good to be true. Even if she saw him face to face, she would have said, Girl, you must be having something. Because it can't be true. And yet Jesus, this is my Jesus. This is your Jesus. He shows up in the midst of the pain that this woman is facing. And he speaks her name. And he comes to meet her. Pretty much a nobody in the big scheme of things. Because that's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. He sees people's pain. He sees the anguish. He sees the tears. He sees the questions. And he's saying, I'm whispering your name. I'm talking to you. I'm coming to seek you. I'm coming to find you. And something must have happened in that moment that would have been so absolutely unbelievable. You know, I can imagine that probably Mary's feelings and, and, and her brain, just everything went into overdrive because suddenly she recognized his voice and then it slowly was all kind of coming together but it was still too good to be true. And then she calls him Rabuni, Rabbi, teacher. She knows who it is. And then because Jesus says to her, stop clinging to me, let me go, it's, uh, it's kind of inferred that she grabbed hold of him. In the same way, you know, when, when, I, when I used to be away from home for 18 months or a couple of years and I'd go home, you know, I'd kind of have to say, Mom, can you please let go? You know, woman, stop it. <laughs> you know, I'm here. And she used to say, yeah, but I I said, why are you crying? Because you're going to go away again. Oh. Mary was just so overwhelmed with that sense of the Jesus that cast out the demons is here. And he sees me and he hears me and he sees my tears and he knows my pain. He knows my questions. He knows everything else. And this is a story I want to give you this Easter morning. It's the same story that Mary experienced. this story that me and you are experiencing because that's who Jesus is. He wants to come into my life and your life in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the tears, in the midst of the fears, in the midst of the what-ifs and whisper your name and say, I know you. I know what you're going through and I'm coming for you and I'm looking out for you. And it's a great encouragement to take hold of this Easter morning. And Mary's life was so impacted by this. Victor Hugo wrote these words. The greatest happiness in life is the conviction that we are loved. Loved for ourselves, or rather loved, despised, of being ourselves. It's the longing of every heart. It it was the longing that Mary had. It's the longing that you and I have. And Jesus on Easter Sunday, the risen Christ, is proclaiming loud and clear. I love you. You heard from Matthew and Gemma so, so good about his death on the cross. That's his declaration of love. paying for my sin and your sin and giving us salvation and new life. And a fullness of life here and a hope that is certain. For the future. And Mary grabs hold of Jesus because her instinctive response is, I want to worship you. I want to I make sure you don't go away, Jesus. Because you're so much part of my life. You've changed me. And it's been so powerful. But then Jesus does something really interesting. Because Jesus says to her, as verse 17, Don't cling to me. Since I've not yet ascended to the Father. And then he says, Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers. And John is saying, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what the Lord had told her. See, on Easter Sunday, Jesus sees us and he sends us. This wasn't just a time of worship. Yes, worship was part of it. But it was time... witness. And Jesus says to her, encouraging her to go and tell all the others what she had experienced, what she'd seen of Jesus. She could proclaim that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's alive. And then that would confirm everything that he'd done and bring the faith and bring the encouragement to all the other disciples. And uh, You know, that's the beautiful thing. When we encounter Jesus, there's something incredible that happens within us that we want to tell other people about how good Jesus is. That's the normal reaction. Whenever we encounter Jesus, there should be something happening within us that should want us in a crazy kind of way, because obviously naturally, most of us are are not quick and eager to tell other people about other things. But when we meet Jesus, there is this incredible urge that comes into our life because he's so good and because he's changed our life in such a wonderful way that we want to tell other people about him. And that's what he calls her to do. And this is unbelievable again because this should have never happened. One of the Roman thinkers at the time had this phrase, we all know that women are hysterical. That's what Mary would have seen, been seen like. Tim Keller writing about this, says, for all those at the time this was a major problem. In ancient societies, women were marginalized, and their testimony was never been given much credence. Yet Jesus chooses Mary Magdalene, who in the eyes of, I mean, this is PR disaster. You just don't do that. I mean, you know, every church has awkward people, right? Come on. Every church has awkward people. I'm one of them. You know, and you sometimes think if you're inviting friends around, say, let's say we do a church barbecue, you know, and you're thinking, oh, if I'm bringing friends around, <laughs> would I want my friends to meet the awkward people? The people that might say, well, he talks too much, she talks too little, they are too political, you know, they're a little bit too young, they're a bit too old, they're a bit, hey, come on, let's, let's be real this morning, that's, that's the thing. We create these categories in our minds, and they're wrong. Of course they're wrong. They're wrong. We create these categories in our mind, and we try to to do this. Sometimes, again, you know, you have special services, usually around Christmas, when every church, I'm letting into the trade secrets now, you know, every church is trying to put the best face forward, and you're thinking, oh, let's make sure that we look slick, you know. And everything works well, you know. The PowerPoint is in the right order. Points are not going, you know, back to front, and all that kind of stuff, because you want to project an image. You know, sometimes people used to ask me the question. He says, "I've got a non-Christian friend. When can I invite them to church? What Sunday is the best to invite them to church?" And I say, "Any Sunday, because this is who we are, what and all. To know. We're normal." But he could have been tempted by Jesus to say, "I'm not going to choose Mary." I mean, imagine the press at the time. First witness of the resurrection. Mary from Magdala. Former demonized woman with seven demons within her. credible woman, right? Everybody would have clapped and said, bring it on. Let's hear what Mary has to say. Tabloids would have had an absolute whale of a time. Destroying her, dismantling her credibility. Yet this is who Jesus chooses to be the first person that meets him and carries the message. Church historian calls her the apostle to the apostles, sticking to the original language. Apostle means being sent, sent to the sent, not necessary apostles in terms of 12 apostles. But she's the one that's chosen, not Peter, not John. Because that's how Jesus sees mission. Every single time, me and you would go, do you know what? I can't do it. I'm not credible. I'm like Mary Magdalene. I've got a little bit of a past. You know, I'm not very good at talking to people. Maybe I'm a little bit odd. You know, I dress in a suit on a Sunday. Everybody thinks I'm a bit weird. You know, and you're thinking, I can't talk to other people, you know, because I don't fit. there There must be other people around that are much better than I am. Not true. The message this morning is, if Jesus chose somebody like Mary Magdalene, He could have been open to criticism. He could have been open to being questioned. He could have been open to being dismissed. And he trusts her. Let me tell you, he trusts me and you. We've got no excuse. As she was sent, we are sent. As Jesus said to her, you just go and tell my brothers what you've seen and what I've told you. That's all we need to do. That's what a witness is. You just go and tell. You don't have to, you know, be smart. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to be able to answer loads of questions. You just go and tell what Jesus said. And she does that. And it's an incredibly powerful story of what it means. Sometimes people say to me, Christy, we need to focus more on worship and devotion and getting ourselves right, and then we'll do mission. I think what we see the pattern in the New Testament and in the life of Jesus is so obvious that the two go hand in hand together. As we spend time in worship, we end up witnessing. As Mary meets Jesus, she's sent out to go and tell other people. That's the natural pattern of the Jesus way. And she really responds to that in a powerful, powerful way. And this morning, I want to give us this challenge. You know, you may, maybe never thought of yourself of being somebody who Jesus can use to tell other people about how amazing he is. You can. I can. Introverts can share about Jesus too. Even people who struggle a little bit with things can share about that. Some of the most credible people that have shared the gospel with me were people who were very real and very honest and sometimes doing it in their weakness. So my encouragement on this Easter Sunday, 2023, is to say, how about asking God to help you and I be those messengers of good news like Mary Magdalene was? Paul saw himself like this when he writes to the Corinthians. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And then he has committed this message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are, some of you might know what follows, we are Christ's ambassadors. That's a beautiful picture of who we are this morning. I bet you never woke up this morning, looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I am an ambassador. I mean, you might not have the limousine and you might not have the special passport and you might not have the special title and the special salary, but I'm telling you this morning, you and I are ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. And what do we do? We are the ones that are called through God, to make an appeal to people around us on Christ's behalf and say to them, be reconciled with God. He made the one, that's Jesus, who did not know sin, the verse that Matthew referred to, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That is the message. And we are the ambassadors that are carrying this message. So this is the Sunday morning. My invitation for all of us is to simply come before the Lord and say, Jesus, show yourself to me. We're in different places this morning. And for some of us, there will be bits of the encounter that Jesus had with Mary Magdalene that would be relevant. Maybe you're in the place of sadness and difficulty and challenge. And I want to remind you, I want to give you that encouragement that Jesus sees you and he wants to reach out to your heart and encourage you. Will you trust him? Maybe some of you are not going through that right now. And maybe to some of you, God is saying, I want to remind you this morning that you might have not realized, but I've made you an ambassador. And I'm calling you to be sharing the good news of Jesus. Just as you are, don't have to be somebody else, just as you are. May the love that you received from me be shared with all those around you in your way. In your time, as I'm leading you and giving you wisdom and power. And what a beautiful picture this morning. In the Romanian Easter tradition, uh, as part of the Orthodox Church in Romania. And I'm really blessed. I get to celebrate Easter twice. So all the good food, twice. I mean, I've got my priorities right. But it's so good on a spiritual level. It really is to be able, and I keep saying, you know, we could do this every week. It's great to have Easter every week. But one of the traditions that they have in the Orthodox Church, they have a midnight service on the Saturday leading on to Sunday. And everybody tends to go to church, particularly if it's a rural community, everybody is there. And then there's the liturgy, uh, which uh, circles the church several times. Ch- everybody gets thrown outside of the church apart from w- w- one of the church caretakers and the doors get closed and they circle the church several times. It could be seven times, but I'm not 100% sure. They circle the church several times, you know, and they keep knocking at the door. They do it three times and the, the, the priest who is in charge, the question would be, who is this? And He would say, it's the reason Jesus Christ. He does it three times and the doors of the church open and then the choir begins to sing, and then they have the, 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 the rest of the liturgy inside. But then right at the very end, they come outside the church, and people said, tend to stand on the steps facing the entrance of the church. And again, the priest in charge would have a candle. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of mystical kind of stuff. You know, usually a representative of the Orthodox Church flies to Jerusalem, And usually, I I don't know how this is happening, but usually it seems like kind of fire comes from heaven and lights up this candle. You need to look into it because it's quite fascinating. Uh, Every year it lights this candle, and then they take it to all the Orthodox churches around the world. So actually every church gets a little bit of the flame that was inflamed in Jerusalem. And then the priest has the candle lit, and then the priest gives light to everyone who's holding a candle. And everybody goes home, and this is the beautiful picture that I absolutely love. Everybody goes home in the early hours of Sunday morning carrying the light of the world. And it's like, wow. It's so powerful. And this is who we are, metaphorically speaking, because Jesus, the light of the world, is already in us. We don't need a physical candle. He's already in us. But this is the beautiful picture. As we step out of here this morning, we are like lit candles in the spiritual darkness of the world we live in with the light of Christ shining through us. So you and I are sent with the resurrection message that Jesus is alive. Amen.